0: This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. So you may have noticed the music is a little bit different. I thought I would change things up a little bit. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to talk a little bit about gratitude. So here we are, We're approaching the holidays. 2021 is coming to an end. Maybe that's a good thing for some people. I'm always one that, you know, gets excited for a new year. So gratitude is the quickest way to shift your thoughts from maybe negative or or stressful into a positive state. There's always other people that have worse off circumstances than you do, so it, it's while it's easy during the holidays because you know we we want everything to be special for your family, we want to get the perfect gift for people and things like that and and you know this year, things may be a little bit different, as we all know the, the logistically, things are not getting to places the way that we're used to. We're not getting that instant gratification many times. So I just challenge everyone. During this holiday season, throughout the day, as often as you need to, just take a few minutes and focus on everything that you have to be grateful for, because it really does shift your mood, your your energy levels, your thoughts. Because you have a choice. You have you have a choice as to whether or not it's going to be a merry season or if it's going to be a stressful season. I know for me personally, I choose to have a merry season and not let the stress get to me. So. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Today's guest is Allie Ingersoll. Allie is a day trader, consultant, disability advocate, writer, blogger, editor, and public speaker. She started her advocacy mission after being repeatedly denied medically necessary equipment by insurance companies over the last 10 years since becoming a C6 quadriplegic. She has such an incredible story, and this is one episode you certainly don't want to miss. Hello, Allie. How are you today? I'm well. How are you, Sandy? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to hear all about you and your story. So let's just dive in. Tell me
1: tell me about Allie Ingersoll. Sure. Well, I have a little bit of a wacky story. I um, grew up all over the world. Um, I'm a very global nomad, if you could say. I have a German mother and an English-American father spent much of my life in Europe and then traveling the world and living in China on my own as a teenager and throughout my 20s. And I had a shallow water diving accident in 2010 when I was 27 at my home in the Bahamas. It's kind of our home base. Um, And it left me a C6 quadriplegic. So I'm paralyzed from the chest down. My hands are paralyzed with some arm movement, but with the right accessibility setup, I can pretty much you know, do anything an able-bodied person can do.
0: Holy cow. Okay. I didn't see that coming.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So living with a severe disability, I mean, I had always been an adventurous type. um, And I participated in wilderness survival programs around the world before my accident. And when I moved to China, when I was 16, I graduated high school at a young age. I kind of pranced around the country and dated an Italian kickboxing instructor and moved around. And so I've always been kind of a free spirit. My parents said to me when I was a kid, listen, you can travel anywhere you want, you know, make your own money. Just make sure you call us um, once a month that you're live. <laughs> and back in the day, there were only um, phone cards. So you had to find some kind of phone or cell phone to, uh, to put minutes on the phone. And um, I was working in um, politics uh, in my 20s and um, I moved to study day trading in my mid 20s. I moved wow. back down to the Bahamas to do that. And when I finished studying my course, I ended up taking a shallow water dive. Um, I, I'd lo- lived my whole life in the Bahamas. It was kind of home base when I wasn't in boarding school around the world. And, you know, my dad said to me in the ICU, he said, listen, kid, you broke your mind. You broke your body, not your mind. So get to work. So I've always had an incredibly supportive family and in every way, shape and form. And so they never let me miss a beat. And after my accident, unfortunately, I went through about five or six years of, I mean, for lack of a better word, medical hell. Um, I had spinal cysts and cervical cancer and pressure sores and multiple surgeries and pulmonary embolisms. You name it, I probably had it. So it was was a very challenging time, but I just kept working and going and doing rehab. And in 2012, I developed a really large spinal cyst in my um, spinal cord. And no surgeon in the United States would touch me. And I have a very smart father and he traveled the world for me. And he found that in China, there's a lot of very smart surgeons because more people break their neck over there than they do in the United States, simply because there's more Chinese per capita over there. And so we moved ourselves to China back in 2013 for a few years. Um, Fortunately, because of my time in China, I speak the language, Chinese. um, So I had to teach my caregivers in Chinese and I had to learn neurosurgery in Chinese and they saved my life, but they they um they also left me with some serious physical scars throughout my, you know my body and you know kind of messed up my neck and broke my leg in multiple places. But I survived. They um so that was the, that was the mission, right? They didn't kill me. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay. There there's a lot of material there that, that you kind yeah. of glossed over. <laughs> But I wanted you to just keep going and tell tell your story.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'll kind of give you the broad strokes of it. So I moved yeah. back to Raleigh, North Carolina in 2015. And when I moved, I all of a sudden decided to start dating <laughs> for the first time in five years, which was really – I really wanted to show women with disabilities that we can be sexy and beautiful. And, you know, and I would basically um, – kept an Excel sheet of all of the men I dated, like a return on investment, how many men I date with, how many men I slept with, how many men I went to coffee with. And I made it really quirky. I've got a really dark sense of humor and a really quirky sense of humor. I, You know, the nurses and doctors have, have killed me multiple times. So I said, you know, what do I have to lose? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's back up a minute. Okay. Yeah.
1: So shallow
0: diving, first of all, what yeah. is that?
1: Um, just uh, as you dive into the pool or the ocean, you go head first and I literally just hit my head. And what makes the spinal why you become paralyzed is not the bones you break in your neck, but it's the bruise inside the spinal cord. And that bruise is what makes you paralyzed and the bruise does not heal. So depending on how severe the bruise is, you see somebody I'm in a power wheelchair. You see some people that get up and they just walk away, and some people that are confined to a wheelchair well, you're not supposed to use that word confined, that are um, wheelchair users for the rest of their lives. And um, I, I, when I was in the Bahamas, I'd done a lot of medical um, wilderness training. And so we were on a very out island and it took us 22 hours to get from Kent Island, Bahamas, where we were, to Miami for surgery. Due to thunderstorms and planes not coming to get me. So we kind of had to do makeshift neck braces and catheters. It was it a mess. Oh my gosh! Okay, so I can't even
0: begin to imagine what was going through your mind during that. Like, where did you said you have a dark sense of humor? Like, what? Where? Where did your mind go? Like, where? I was
1: in military battle mode when I hit my head. Fortunately, I did not pass out. I held my breath, and my mother. Oh gosh, my mother was there. She saw the whole thing. And so when somebody finally realized I wasn't horsing around and picked me up, I told them to lay me flat. I knew I couldn't have any liquids or any food. And we called an emergency jet to get us out of there. You can pay for a service for that. And they said there were no pilots on hand at the moment. So I had to sit on the back of the pickup truck on a really hard wooden surface, which messed me up in many, many ways for about seven hours before a jet even got to the island. Oh, my gosh. Now, I you know. did smoke a lot of pot though to so keep me calm. <laughs> 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 island life, you know? Right. Oh my gosh.
0: But still. It, it, did you know that you, could you, did you know?
1: I specifically knew that I was a, that I was going to be a quadriplegic. There's a small chance it can just be spinal shock. If you get to a hospital within like a three to six hour window, they have a lot of medicine and, and different therapies they can do to reduce the um, swelling. But at that point I kind of knew I was a goner. So when I woke up from surgery and the surgeon said to me, you know, I have bad news. You're a C6 quadriplegic. You're paralyzed from the chest down. And I said, no shit. <laughs> you think? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Okay. So how do you, how do you, how did you keep it together?
1: I mean, especially for my personality though, I've always kept together from traveling alone at a very young age. I went to jail in China for a while due to an Italian boyfriend who forgot my passport. And so I called my parents at 17 when I was in China and I said, guys, I'm going to jail for an idiot boyfriend who was a lot older than I was, but I was in love. And if I'm not out of jail in two weeks, then the cavalry, but otherwise just let me figure it out. And I think a lot of those experiences and wilderness survival trips around the world kind of prepared me for staying calm and just working with what I have. I mean, what was the alternative? I mean, I understand people go through a lot of depressions, but I was on such a strict where I was still working full time in the ICU and I was in rehab and I just kept super busy. Wow. I,
0: I just, yeah. And you know. They, they say we're only given what we can handle. Yeah. Right. And, you know, but you, that's just incredible. I mean,
1: are there any times? The wacky tail.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. And it's, and it's, and it's
1: very sad too. It you know, is. It is. I, I, I combat that with humor. I think that's how I cope a lot with what I, was, I deal with.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, because, you know, when, you, when you've done so much traveling and you've lived so much more than many people ever
1: get a chance to do right? That's true. Exactly. That was, the only, that was the most heartbreaking part of the accident was my travels, my independent travels came to a screeching halt because I have 24 seven hour care right now for people to physically take care of me. Seriously. Yeah. And I don't get any government support because I work full time. So I had to pay for all of it, which is very, very expensive. I can't even imagine.
0: Can not yes. even imagine?
1: So you need assistance around the clock. I do, yes, and no government support because I make too much money, but what they don't realize is all that money goes out the door towards the end of the year. Oh, my goodness.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, if if you have any moments of, you know, when you're feeling, you know, why me or anything
1: like that, like, how do you talk yourself off the ledge? Ooh, great question. I am active in a lot of disability groups, spinal cord injury disability groups. And I mentor a lot of new quadriplegics and I listen to other people's stories. And I know people, you never compare. I don't think you should ever compare yourself like somebody's pain or life circumstances to other people's. However, it gives me a lot of perspective. So I have a very strong support system, family. I'm not wanting for anything critical. I, I have caregivers when I need them. And so many of my friends um, on Medicare or Medicaid, they're told how many catheters they can get a month, how many times they can go to the bathroom, for God's sake. And I, I'm serious. It, it's a real seriously? thing. It's, seriously. I, I know. You wouldn't even realize that. You don't even realize how how broken the system is for those with severe disabilities and how people don't have a family support. And they're sitting there texting me how terrified they are to be alone at home at night. And they're left there for hours in the morning. So I stop, and I think to myself, you know, no matter what, even if somebody walks out on me, a caregiver, I can call my sister down the road, my mom and dad, even though they're getting older, my brothers are just six hours away. I am never going to be alone. And so that really grounds me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: I know. It, my heart sinks and I cry for none my, not myself, but for other people and what they do and their resilience. I get my resilience for other people's challenges, you know, and what, what they deal with on a daily basis. Right.
0: Right. So wow.
1: Wow. So how is your health today? My health is stable. So I have every quadriplegic has a, one or two serious medical challenges. Some people have respiratory issues, urinary tract infections. For me, I am princess in the pea, as I say. You look at me and I get a red mark, which is called a pressure sore, which can open up and ruin your life for months and months on end. So I have super sensitive skin. So in 2015 to 16, I spent an entire year in bed looking at four walls and with multiple surgeries and major pressure sores because I was born with an extra vertebrae and nobody could feel that, figure that out. And I fired all my doctors. I do that quite frequently if they're not intelligent enough because I ask them like 50 questions. <laughs> and um, I went to a plastic surgeon he goes, Kid, your tailbone is too long. You have no muscle mass because you're paralyzed. Let's take it out. Let's shave it down. Not take it out. Let's shave it down. It's called a toxigectomy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, a funny name. And so, um, so that is, you know, medically, I always have to be extremely careful with that. But other than that, I exercise two hours a day with adaptive exercise equipment in my home. So, from a quadriplegic standpoint, I was saying like the picture of health right now. But work hard at it. I eat boiled vegetables and eggs and it's so boring, but your life when you're paralyzed revolves around your bowel and bladder because you don't have control. So you can create routines about peeing and pooping and how you do it, but it's all about what you put in your body and drinking enough water. So it's quite regimented. However, I am very good at staying on track because I don't want to have any kind of major issues as I, the, the long spinal cord injury is kind of like dog years. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but you know, I'm 38, but I might as well be like 48 or 50 from a medical perspective. And from a, I have really bad osteoporosis as well, which is like an 85 year old and I take medication, but it was way later before I found out that I had it. So I just have to be careful. I can, you know, I, um, I'm respons- responsibly irresponsible. I'll do fun things, but, but within, you know, I, I research them first. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, y-
0: your perspective on everything is just absolutely um, the most amazing perspective I've ever heard from anybody.
1: Oh, <laughs> but, it's, uh, wow.
0: it's different. <laughs> wow. So, so, t- so what do you do for a living? You said you work full time. Um, so right. Do do? So
1: work full down. I'm a marketing analyst and day trader. Um, however, my passions lie in disability advocacy. So i am huge into diversity equity and inclusion especially for those that want to work in the workplace and forcing and pushing corporations and companies and stakeholders to think about you know people with disabilities I and mean, there's a lot of papers out about it that people with disabilities that we are um you know not only do we improve a company's bottom line if you want to put a check in that box but we're create hard workers we're loyal we you know remain committed so I sit on a lot of boards and work with the governor's um, office, um, helping people with disabilities live in um, communities, um, independent communities of their choice. I write for a lot of national magazines. I have my own website. I do a lot of public speaking. I'm actually running for Miss Wheelchair North Carolina (laughs) in September. It's not a beauty pageant. I just want to say it's not a beauty pageant. It's just a disability pageant, advocacy pageant, I should say. And my mission, actually, it all got started with health insurance. About five years ago, I kept getting denied medically necessary equipment and I got really pissed off. And so I taught myself how to write letters of medical necessity with peer reviewed journal articles to back them up and how to navigate the appeal system with insurance. And then I brought that mission national. And so that kind of blossomed and took off very quickly. And now it's interesting, our podcast today, because I'm in the midst of another career change as we speak, (laughs) I have decided that I want to bring my skills and talents to the corporate world and the global world on a global stage. So trying to figure out a person with severe disability, how to best market myself and navigate in that world. And I'm making a lot of wonderful connections, but I want to make sure it's the right fit. So I don't need, I want to make disability advocacy my full-time, everyday job.
0: Wow. Um, I would imagine that there's there's some nonprofits out there, maybe. So I work or, a lot yeah. in the
1: nonprofit world, pro bono, and donate my time. But unfortunately, just because it's a nonprofit, they don't because I have to pay for caregiving and health insurance and a mortgage and you name it. I can't make that financially work. So it's got to be in the corporate space or in a consulting space. And I hate to say that, but that's the reality. Sure. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. And a place
1: where I can grow. And in five to 10 years, I want to be a global player on the stage about disability and inclusion and, you know, how to make that more inclusive from a corporate standpoint.
0: Well, I have no doubt in my mind that that, that you will achieve that probably less than five years. I only came up with
1: it three months ago and I've just the pavement every single day on.
0: That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are, you do have a very
1: quirky story. That's for yeah. sure.
0: <laughs> my gosh. Yep.
1: That's where the quirky quad diaries came about. I had another website in China when I lived there um, after my accident, it was called the China quad diaries. I kind of document everything I've been through. I keep, I don't write on that website anymore, but I keep it live because some of the stories of China are pretty wacky from a cultural different, you know, difference point of view. Is there a book deal coming? down the road? So everybody keeps telling me to write a book. I have enough material to write a book, but the hours in a day, it's challenging because I have to get done in about six to seven hours, but most people take maybe 10 to 12 to get done merely because I, I have a disability. So I have devote about four to five, four hours a day just to caregiving, bowel, bladder, dressing, bathing, hair washing. And I can't, I can't compromise on those hours. And I can only ask caregivers to get up so early, you know, I get up at 545, 530 in the morning and they leave at six. Sometimes they'll get me in bed. Sometimes I'll stay up and work later. My husband will get me in bed, but you know, so I have to work quickly and efficiently than probably many of us do with disabilities than the average person does. You're married.
0: I am married. Yeah, okay, you was skipped one of that my part because dating- you were you were he talking was- about dating and keeping spreadsheets of who you slept with and this and that. <laughs> yeah, you so skipped- that. that's a pretty big detail to leave when out. When
1: I was in Raleigh, when I moved to Raleigh, and I had got the um, I started dating a guy for eight months. It didn't work out, and, and I had that giant pressure sore, and I was confined to bed. And a surgeon told me we have one more big surgery, correction surgery called a flap surgery. We want. um to do with you but you're going to be in bed for yet another four to five months and I said okay I have this giant hole in my tailbone if I'm going to be in bed and the surgery might kill me it's very dangerous then I'm going to if I'm going to go out I'm going out with a bang damn it I just am so I got an online dating and I was on a time clock I was in bed all day but I would just put a piece of gauze in this giant hole in my bum and a band-aid and I would get up for like four to five hours, and I would go on dates, like I would date, well, date, hang out with four guys at a time, and I was on a time clock, I only had five months, so I had a three-date policy, so first date was coffee, second date we would make out, third date I wanted to sleep with you to see what it was like to experiment with a disability, and then every four weeks, every like three to four weeks, I would circulate the guys, and I would just keep writing about it. And it started, that's how the Corky Quad Diary started out actually was a blog on sex with and spinal cord injury adventure. And admittedly I need rebranding in the next month because it's not just about that. (laughs) And um, my, my now husband was, he hates the story. He was one of my gentleman callers, as I call him. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I stepped up the last couple of guys I was dating. I was like, listen, I'm going down the country for a while, and I'll call you when I get back, and I'm getting ready for surgery, and he said, no, I really want to continue to date you. I want to get to know you better, and I'd only known him about a month, and I told him why. I had to break up, and he said, well, I was like, you know i'm a quadriplegic i'm going in for a major surgery i'm going to be in bed for another four months you really want to like date me i'm not trying to be rude but that's a lot for anybody to take in i don't care who you are right you just you barely know me and he said i'll get to know you the old-fashioned way we'll talk and he said will you be my girlfriend the day before surgery and i hung up the phone because i didn't know what to say <laughs> i was like what is wrong with this guy and i called him back i'm like um Okay. Yeah. Sure. Let's try that. And I didn't think it was going to go anywhere. I thought it'd be a fun passing amusement, right? And he showed up to the hospital in the ICU with teddy bears and flowers. And um, my I forgot to tell anybody I was dating somebody. And my brothers (laughs) and mom and dad were like, "Who the hell is this guy? Why is he visiting you?" I was like, "This is my boyfriend." Your what? Yeah. (laughs) Then the rest was kind of history. And you know, he grew on me naturally, of course. And we stayed together. Was about. Four, four, or five, four years ago, and we got married. Two, no, five, three, four, or five years ago, and we got married two years ago in 2019. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> he- and so I'm really happy to say, though, that so not every marriage is perfect, right? People love that story, and it's a great story. But I am no different. A lot of my friends with disabilities have problems with their spouses because of their disabilities. A lot of stuff that sometimes make the other people feel guilty for the disability or that they need help or that they're needy or whatever it may be. My husband is incredible with whatever problems we have and fights you get because we are definitely not perfect at all. And we have our marital challenges. Thankfully, I'm very thankful. It's never about the disability, which is great. And yes. I feel, I think that's unusual. Wow. Yeah. I, of course, I mean, everybody's human, right? Yep. And, uh,
0: Wow. Well, he must be a but very... I was
1: 36 when I got married. So, I mean, I wasn't a child. I, I right. you know, I, I didn't want to get married at first. But it was really important to him. I just thought I'd be with a partner. Um, but I said, sure, no problem. Yeah, let's do it. Why not?
0: <laughs> well, you are, you're both very incredible people. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, that's really, really amazing. Wow. Well, I am just so happy for you. And ah, uh, Wow you've just right now we're kind
1: of in different I'm trying to do career switch and he's finding a new career so we kind of bump you know at nighttime we get to see each other but in the daytime we're kind of in two different areas which i think is fine because right now we're both working at home which that's a lot husband and wife living and working together at home yep love him but he could get out of the house too same he's out of the house right he's he's out of the house right now so yeah (laughs) when he listens to this he's gonna be like honey we need to talk (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, it, and it
0: is it is challenging. And I was just talking to a girlfriend yesterday about that, that how, you know, it's been 18 months now. We've been yeah. together 24-7 and I don't want to be... I can put a strain on it yeah. There, no matter how much you love someone. Exactly. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy mm-hmm. for sure. Wow. All right.
1: Allie, is there anything
0: else you want to share with the audience today?
1: Well, my... I would say my driving mission for anybody, because whenever I speak or I write, I would like to write and talk to people about disability, but all my lessons come can be applied for anybody, for any, whether you have a disability or not. So, you know, I live by Winston Churchill's quote, the definition of success is moving from failure to failure without lack of enthusiasm. I live and die by that one because I fail all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's a matter of how you pick yourself up and you're and you have to be your own self-advocate in your life, in your work, and whatever it may be. It's so easy. I mean, it's so easy. And we all do it. And I fall into the trap, too, that woe is me or why is this happening to me? I mean, that's human. the human condition, right?
0: Yeah. But,
1: you know, I find people who have gone through, whoever they are, have gone through really serious adversities are the ones that... I find most inspiring and that shine and always find a way through when other people find it impossible. Like I, I just, when I get undetermined, I just don't stop. And I love to pay it forward, paying it forward in kindness. would be saying my two driving pillars in life. I will always help out anybody if I possibly can. Yes. Even if it shoots me in the foot, I still do it because I, yep. Sometimes people take advantage and it happens, but that's life.
0: I can't imagine anybody ever taking advantage of you um yeah
1: they try let's put it like that say, yeah
0: <laughs> well you it are, doesn't
1: usually end well for them yeah
0: <laughs> Ale, you are a force to be reckoned with for sure and it was such an honor to have you on my podcast today and thank you so much and i wish you all the best oh i'm thank gonna you, be following Dana, you a great time i oh, love that <laughs> i'm gonna be following you because i i just can't wait to see how what, what the world has has coming up for them with you. (laughs) Me either. I can't wait. (laughs) All right. Take care, Allie. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, I think that that was by far the most inspiring story I have heard in many, many, many years. Allie is such a beautiful light in this world. And uh, I hope that you really listen to what she had to say and, and just recognize that, you know, there really is always somebody that has it worse off than you do. So you can learn more about Allie on her website, which is quirkyquad.com. So thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about me at sandyscurlotta.com. My book, Happiness Solved, Climbing 100 Steps, can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And as always, I hope that you and your family stay safe, healthy, and happy. Take care, everyone.